Hey there, this is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Clyde, and I'm so excited to sit with you today. And we can listen in as Jen Schultz, who writes about messy faith and shaking off insecurity and pursuing God's purpose confidently, hops on the podcast. She's coming out with a new book in the fall, and you're going to hear all about it. It's called She's Not Your Enemy, Conquering Our Insecurities So We Can Build God's Kingdom Together. I think that you will enjoy hearing her story and what God's doing in her life and how God is using her insecurities to impact other women and their insecurities. So take a listen. Jen Schultz, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I have so many things I want to ask you about. You um, wrote a book called She's Not Your Enemy, Conquering Our Insecurities So We Can Build God's Kingdom Together. And I love talking about insecurities, not because I love having them, but I love talking about them. (laughs) we have them, how we can replace them with confidence and and so many questions wrapped around that that I have for you. But my first question I have to ask you is something we don't have in common, which is I read you like decaf coffee. I do. And you know what? I used to be a death before decaf person. I used to be like, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> I will not drink anything decaffeinated. What's the point? And I actually switched over in 2020 when I was going through a whole bunch of anxiety, I, I made a whole bunch of changes. Mm. And I, uh, we actually flew across the country to see family. So that was kind of an ordeal because it was during the pandemic. But that day, I happened to not get a cup of coffee before I left. I, I assumed I would get one at the airport. We kind of rushed through it and flew across. And I got so sick that day mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was like, I need, I need to rethink this. Something's wrong. Like I had such withdrawal from not drinking coffee for one day. So I made the switch. I haven't looked back. I do sometimes uh, have some caffeinated soda once in a while, but decaf coffee is where it's at for me. I couldn't give it up completely, but at least I don't have the the side effects that make me crazy. Yeah. I've, I've had that before where you're like in fetal position because you don't have your coffee, but I was surprised to read that because you and I are both located in the Pacific Northwest. And I was like, how can you live here and drink coffee? You know what? There is such great decaf coffee here though, which is great. (laughs) At least least I have a good substitute. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about your new back new book. I mean, we can all resonate with insecurities and comparison. So what were you experiencing in your own life? that led you to write this? Gosh, as long as I can remember, I have been struggling with insecurities. And this book kind of started more on a concept of comparison. And the more I dug into comparison and kind of relational issues, I realized it wasn't a relational issue at all. I realized it was an identity issue, that it was my insecurities that was keeping me from being able to really connect with other women. Um, being able to get past comparison, competition, jealousy, uh, setting up boundaries, having compassion, just all of those things. I would get tripped up on my own insecurities and either make myself small or try to kind of um, pull myself up by my bootstraps, you know, and make myself super confident. And none of those things were working for me. And I, I realized at some point that it really had everything to do with God, with my relationship with him, with how I saw him and how I thought he saw me. Mm -hmm. I used to think he saw me as some kind of overbearing boss that was always disappointed in me. 
And I went through some counseling several years ago, some biblical counseling that really just forced me to take a good look at what the Bible actually said about God and what it, what God says about me. And it changed everything. It really transformed the way I look at myself, the way I look at God and the way I look at other people. And so this book kind of was, was born out of that whole process. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's what's in this book. It really transformed my life. Hmm. So I love I'm excited to be able to share that. God can turn what started from a place of our pain into something that's used for other good. I mean, that's what colitis. So I can totally just get so excited about your story because um, I get it because that's what God does. It's interesting to me to rewind back to you started to see that there were things getting in the way of your relationship with other women. What were the things that were happening in those relationships that made you realize, hey, I'm the common denominator? Hmm, that's a good question. I think uh, comparison was probably the biggest one. I would look at someone else and think, well, God is really blessing her. He must really love her. And I must be doing something wrong that I'm not getting the same blessings or the same opportunities. Or I would look at someone else and think, well, I must be doing pretty good because I'm not, you know, having the same issues that she has. So I must be doing okay, right? And it, it all came back to me. It wasn't really about the other person. It wasn't really about God. It was about me and the questions that I was asking about myself. Am I significant? What am I doing here? Am I valuable? Am I enough for God? Um, Am I playing the part that I was meant to play? What's my purpose here? Just all of these questions that I would answer with, well, I better, I better solve these things and prove and strive and put myself out there so that, um, so that I can be significant. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't finding any of that in God. And he, I, I realized that what he wanted was for me to rest, to give that to him, to surrender it back to him and just, just to rest, to stop my striving and my hamster wheel running and all of that. And just, just rest in him and, and the identity that he gave me. The comparison thing, I mean, I think people listening, because I'm resonating with you, it's so interesting. You can look at someone else and they have what you want. And you actually don't even know consciously that you're starting to sort of spiral in broken theology that starts to tell, you start to tell yourself, oh, yeah. somehow I must not be pleasing to God that he wouldn't do this, or he hasn't answered my prayers, but he answered her prayers because she clearly got this. And I think a lot of times some of the stuff that we think is so unconscious so it's so interesting Absolutely. to me that you started to recognize it and become self-aware. I also think it's interesting that you realized you started to see God as an overbearing boss who was disappointed in you all the time. I'm sort of curious if you ever had one of those. Mm, oh, that's a good question. Mm, I, don't, I don't want to throw anybody out there. I did have... Um, I, I've had... I've worked a number of different jobs and... Have mostly had really good experiences. I did have one boss that I was so nervous in the position and really wanted to prove myself, mm -hmm. which is another thing that we go, another topic we go into in the book. But I was so nervous to prove myself that I didn't ask her any questions. I didn't ask her to elaborate on her requests. I just said, okay, and, and did whatever I thought was best. And she would get so frustrated with me because I didn't do exactly what she asked and what she expected. 
And I was so insecure that I wouldn't ask. <laughs> I felt like I had to put up this persona of, oh, I got mm-hmm. this. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was constantly disappointed in me and she ended up letting me go. And so that that would have been probably a good example. But I think mm-hmm. even before that, I think I growing up, I even felt like I was disappointing God. And I don't think I would have put it in those words then, but I, I just felt this this pressure and this need to prove myself to God that I was good enough. Right. And it really messed up my relationship with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And your relationships with other people, because what we believe about ourselves comes out sideways in our relationships with other people. But oh, yeah. I kind of asked the boss question, because I think so often we have hurtful experiences with humans that then we project onto God. And so it's interesting to me that you're almost saying, like, I felt like God was this boss that I couldn't, I couldn't make him approve of me, you know, and I think that comes from experiences that we've had with, with broken humans, but you, you went on this sort of journey to invite God into your insecurity, into your comparison. And I'm curious, cause we're going to get into some of that stuff, but I'm curious, like, if you think back to when you started realizing that insecurity and comparison are wreaking havoc on your relationship with God, your relationship with others and your relationship with yourself, what if you wouldn't have dealt with it? Like, what do you think uh, insecurity not dealt with over time breeds for us? Like, if there's people listening who might be like, yeah, I have some insecurity, I have some comparison issues, but I'm not really going to do anything about it. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of started writing this book because I didn't feel like there was a way to deal with it. I felt like a lot of it was on me to kind of again, pull myself up by my bootstraps and figure this out. And even if I didn't have it figured out, even if I was falling short, like, you know, put on at least the image that I had it figured out and I knew what I was doing. But inside, I just felt like I was breaking down. And that was what got me to the point where I felt like I needed to deal with it was I just got to this, this panic state, I was anxious all the time, I was paranoid that people were going to figure out that I wasn't the, this put together person that I was trying to be. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I started having panic attacks. I I remember being in church one Sunday and I just felt like everyone was staring at me. And I, I had a baby at the time. So I, I walked out and, you know, took my baby for a walk under the pretense of, oh, my baby has to get out of here. But it was really me. I just was so overwhelmed by this thought that everybody was looking at me. Everybody was judging me. I had to leave. Uh, so I think you said something about projecting onto others. And I think that's that's what we do with our insecurities. We project onto others what we're thinking about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that puts us even more in, in this conflict with other women. And part of why I wrote this book was because that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants us divided. He wants us distracted, where instead God created us for community. He created us to complement each other. And so as our insecurities get bigger, we get more and more divided. We get more and more judgmental. We're worried about how people are judging us. And we just become these isolated, just nervous wrecks. And I did some research. It's in the book just about how isolation affects us, how a lack of community affects us. Because at this season in our society, uh, just post-pandemic, we're more isolated than ever. We're more disconnected. And it affects us physically. It affects us mentally, but physically as well. Um, Gosh, there are so many things I can't even get into. But 
it it really does. It makes such a difference um, physically and mentally to our wellness. And that's exactly what Satan wants. And so part of me wanting to write this book was don't, you know, let yourself get to that point. Don't let your insecurities become so overwhelming that you just feel like you're an island and nobody can help you. Um, yeah. Even even God can't help you. Don't get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. That's exactly what Satan wants for you. And that's not what God wants at all. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of what you're saying is in for people who maybe aren't familiar with the idea of Satan, but the idea of an enemy, if there ever was an enemy of God and an enemy of you, if he could get you all, you know, isolated to yourself where you can't need anybody, even though you need help, you can't be real with anybody, even though you have places that are hurting and broken, he's got you right where he wants you. Isolation can be a pretty devastating place to be. I'm curious in your book, what are some of the top pieces of advice that you share to see insecurity go packing? Gosh, It was such a partnership with God writing this book because it's not something you ever really overcome. It's not like I can say, oh, you know, I wrote this book and I'm the expert (laughs) and it's all over for me. I'm not insecure anymore. Uh, It was definitely working it out one-on-one with God. And I know one of the things that really stood out to me as I was writing was that not all comparison is unhealthy. Hmm. We naturally compare and that it's it's something that's hardwired in us to look at somebody and kind of view our differences and notice the things that make us unique. And that was a question that I kind of leaned into was why would an intentional God wire us to do something that we view as so terrible comparison, right? Like it's, it's such a horrible thing. We keep saying comparison is the thief of joy. And it's, uh, it's just this, we've made it out to be this awful thing that we don't want in our lives at all. And so why would God hardwire us to compare with other people? And there's actually some, some healthy things to it. There's um, that we, it helps us kind of figure out where we belong in a situation. It helps us figure out, um, you know, how we want to grow things that we want to work towards because we see it in other people. Uh, it helps us to know what we don't want to go for and what, what doesn't work well. And um, it's, it's, it, I found it pretty interesting that there was healthy comparison, um, which first of all, helps me to be encouraged about how God made us because he didn't just make us with this, this horrible instinct that we have to kind of shelve and figure out. Um, but I think it's also good to realize that we complement each other, that God created us uniquely so that we could complement each other. So as you figure out your strengths, um, the things that God gave you, the talents that you have, the passions that you have, you can also look and notice somebody else's strengths and figure out where you can fill the gaps for each other as we build, build the kingdom together. So I don't know if that quite answered your question, but that, that was something interesting that I found. No, it's um, great. I love it. So much of your work has to do with us seeing that we can be a team, that we can complement each other, that we can actually do good work together. We believe that God has something special in store for your life. Do you need some help discerning next steps in your calling or wishing that God could do something big with your life, but you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're tired, overwhelmed, or burned out and need some encouragement and inspiration to get back up. 
whatever season or life phase you're in, we've got an incredible online course called Women of Impact that will equip and empower you with tools to fully live out your purpose in this life. This course comes with over 70 teaching sessions taught by over 50 incredible women and features topics like discerning direction, dreams and vision, health for a purpose, impact in every chapter, and more. You'll also get beautifully designed journals and incredible resource lists. This course was created for women on the go, meaning you can access it anytime, anywhere, on any device. Now is the time to get inspired and equipped to make an impact with your life. This robust course is available for only $149. You can learn more or register by going to wecollide.net forward slash women of impact. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit because I'm curious if when you find yourself looking at another woman and you're comparing in a negative way instead of the positive way that you just talked about. You're comparing yourself in a neg- negative way. Do you have some kind of like Jedi mind tricks that you pull out to stop doing it? <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. No, I think it starts with knowing and realizing the difference. I think it makes makes a big difference to be able to say, whoa, you know, um, I I make this this example in the book of you you might notice another woman on the street who is dressed differently than you and you get to talking to her and she has a different job than you. And it's a really interesting conversation. You both like coffee and you both, um, you both have uh, fun memories of going on roller coasters growing up. So you both love roller coaster, you know, just all these mm-hmm. things, you kind of notice the similarities and then you start noticing some differences like, Oh, well she has that brand of shoe and I have the knockoffs or she has this, this really interesting engaging job. And I don't feel like my job is that exciting. And then it kind of shifts into, wow, she's got this really amazing job. I, you know, look at look at where I am in my life. I'm way behind her. Gosh, you know, and you start start this downward spiral. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think the secret is that when comparison, you start to use comparison to define your worth. That's when it's the problem. <laughs> that's when you you need to stop and take a step back and say this isn't, this isn't what God wants for me. And it's not how he wants me to look at her either. Um, and that's, that's where being rooted in your identity in God is so important. Having scriptures that you go back to, to be able to say, this is what God says about me. It doesn't matter how I stack up against this other woman. It doesn't even really matter what she thinks about me, especially if she's criticizing me. What matters is what God says about me. And uh, so holding on to those scriptures and believing them to be true. And that's not a slow process. Like mm-hmm. that is something that needs to be an everyday practice to be able to be effective. Um, it can't be something that you, okay, let me just pull out my Bible because I feel like I'm compar- comparing right now. You know, like, let me just whip it out and start looking for some scriptures. No, you have to have those things on lock <laughs> and ready mm-hmm. for any situation. Um, so what I would encourage someone to do is to start gathering those scriptures that remind you of what God says about you, remind you of the truth of who he is and what he says, and hold on to them. Keep going back to them when things start getting difficult. 
Yeah, I I always talk about how I sort of preach to myself. So like if you ever see me in a stoplight and I'm talking to myself, um, mm-hmm. joke around that I'm going to look at you. And if you're not, then <laughs> no, I um, I have to constantly do this, whether I'm in a party or a meeting or whatever. There's so many layers of what's going on in your head, right? You're engaging yeah. what's going on in a room, but you're also having internal feelings about yourself, about oh, yeah. interactions with the people in the room. And then you're also at the same time able to talk to God. And so I'll like call on the spirit and say like, God, help me with my thoughts right now. Help me not go down this trail in my head where I'm second guessing myself. Help me to believe that your power is made perfect in weakness. All those things like pulling scripture. But I also think you can even start sort of, um, almost rewind back to the basics of like, look, God made you, you, he didn't make you Jenny, you know, like he made you, you. So you don't have to try to be like Jenny. Like sometimes you just have to remind yourself of something like so basic. Cause you started traveling down a road feeling like you can't be like Jenny and you're not good enough. Cause you're not like Jenny. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If God wanted you to be Jenny, you'd be Jenny, but you're not right. Exactly. Right. So there's right. It's stopping those thoughts. Internal work of like fighting that battle all day, every day. Jen, I love that you are calling women to be for each other. And so often we see each other as competition instead of being on the same team. And so we can get a whole lot more done working, you know, alongside each other instead of being each other's enemies. So I'm curious what you've seen that's really beautiful when women come together. Like, do you have examples of, hey, when women set aside comparison and jealousy and envy, here's what can happen that's a good question I think um, one of the ways that we can really show up for each other is being vulnerable being the first and I it makes such a big difference when a woman says you know what I'm feeling insecure (laughs) or I'm I'm going through this thing and it's really hard right now I think we all want it like we all want somebody to come up to us and kind of be the first to, Mm -hmm. to open up to us but we don't want to be the first But there's something beautiful about vulnerability and how contagious it is when somebody starts that and it it spreads, it passes on. Um, I know I've seen that so many times in my life when other women in my life who I would expect almost criticism and shame from, because again, I was projecting my insecurities onto them. Um, Instead, I received such grace and such compassion because they had been through something similar. I know I uh, went through a period of infertility where I just could not, there was, there were no answers as to why I wasn't getting pregnant. And I was terrified to really continue to share what was going on in my heart because it was such a struggle for me. And it was an everyday struggle that I was like, I'm going to be a broken record. Nobody wants to hear me talk about this again. And so I would kind of clam up and, and not talk about it again. And I, I would have women really take the time and be intentional about asking me how it was going and not, you know, letting me get by with, oh, it's fine. It's okay. I'm working through it. Mm-hmm. Um, they would share their stories with me. They would um, just share about the difficult things that they had been through, maybe infertility, maybe miscarriage, maybe something else. And it allowed me to be able to be myself. I think that's what vulnerability does is it, it frees you up to be yourself. And when you can be yourself, you really surprise people and they surprise you when you give them that chance. Mm. I love that that's your answer to my question, because I think it's interesting just listening to you talk. I, I think it's often that women sort of posture this 
sort of put togetherness or the strength because they feel like they have to. And sometimes that's from a place of insecurity. And when they posture that, the person they're with is also posturing because they're feeling insecure. And so it just builds. (laughs) The lead first thing is, I'm sure it happens with men too, but the lead first thing is, is an interesting idea. I mean, I think we do that a lot around here at Clyde at conferences and events and classes and Bible studies. Our Clyde team is a team of 30 women who volunteer and serve for a a year. They sign up for a year of service. And the very first thing we do with those women at the beginning of the year is we invite them uh, to come together one evening, well, for a whole retreat, but one of the evenings, they bring an object that's symbolic of a place in their life that is or has been been broken and hurting and what they sense God is doing and how he's bringing about healing. And it's one of the most vulnerable circles I've ever sat in. And it is that way every single year. And part of it is because we're just giving women permission slip to be real about a part of their story that doesn't have to be strong and it doesn't have to be put together and it doesn't have to be you know, God smacked with all the right answers. And I think when one woman does that, then another woman's like, oh, hey, yeah, like I, you know, we see this all the time. Like I gave a child up for adoption when I was 17 and my parents sent me away and I've never told anyone, not my husband. And then someone else is like, I, you know, was sexually victimized in college and it still traumatizes me. And someone else is like, I was kicked out of the church and wounded by the church. And, you know, like you go around the circle and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and I think when you realize that other women have stories and they have hurt and they have pain and they have insecurities too. It really does just something beautiful happens in a space where that's allowed. Yeah, absolutely. It's vulnerability is contagious and we're all broken. And it's interesting that the thing that isolates us so much is, is we think we're the only ones with brokenness, but, but we all have experienced it. So I love that. I tear up just thinking about that kind of a circle because it's a beautiful thing when we all get together and we, we're just real. We share our broken and share what God has done to meet us in that broken. Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is for an individual woman to have to go backward and visit the origin of when she picked up her feelings of inadequacy in order to move forward? Oh, so important. I, I remember, um, this, and I share about it in the book, this moment that happened when I was really young, probably five or six. And I was with a group of friends. And one of them said, Jen, you're so weird. And it, it's one of those things like, oh, gosh, what a put down to really affect you for the rest of your life. How how sorry I feel for you. <laughs> you know, like, that's, mm-hmm. it's such a silly thing. Why would that affect you so much? But I remember the other girls laughing and giggling. And I remember in that moment feeling like, I don't fit. I don't belong. I'm the odd one out. And I carried that with me. It was just this tiny seed. It really was not anything major. That And there there were other things that have happened over the course of my life that made me believe that. But I remember that seed being planted in that moment. And I carried it with me for a long time. And so I would be, you know, in a classroom and I would shrink and I'd make myself small because I thought, oh, I, I'm the weird one. I don't want anybody to know. I'm the the oddball. I'm, I'm the odd one out. I don't fit here. Mm-hmm. And I would just keep kind of silencing myself and making myself small because I was so insecure and so scared. Um, going back to that moment when everybody was laughing. And um, 
I, I do. I think it's so important to go back and, and the book, I share that in the book, but also invite women to kind of go back to those points and, and notice those things that maybe they brushed aside and said, oh, that really wasn't that big of a deal, but mm-hmm. it really made an impact on your heart and you still carry it with you and it affects the decisions that you make. Um, I think it's so important to go back to those because we're not going to be able to grow strong in our identity with God if we are still hurting over this this broken moment that happened with other people. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. I'm curious because you share that experience and I know you're sort of saying, I know that's a silly thing to be worried about, but it really isn't at that age when you're told you're weird. That feels, being told you're weird, feels feels big, right? it feels big when you're that age. Yeah. Here I'm watching you and you're not making yourself small. You're putting yourself out in the world. You're writing a book. You're using your voice to invite other women to no longer live out their insecurities. What made you be able to move past the belief that I'm weird and I don't belong to? I have a voice and I can be used to impact other women. Well, it it was partially that that time of biblical counseling where I really had to address these lies that were in my mind with scripture and and stack them up and just kind of see does does this really does what I believe really fit with what scripture says so that was huge for me but I think in the time since then it's been a lot of going out on faithful risks with God kind of taking these steps forward in obedience when I didn't know where they were going to go I have always love to read, love to write. You know, we did this project in fifth grade, I remember, where we made these little hardcover books. And I just was so proud of my book. But I always thought I could never be an author. Like that's for, that's reserved for really special, really smart, really, you know, capable people. And I'm not that person. And I started a blog, you know, over a decade ago and started writing. And I kept feeling this nudge, like maybe I could write a book someday, but also feeling like, no, 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 that's not for me. That's for someone else. So I would try all these other things. Uh, I tried to blog and be an influencer and do all those things, but really nobody wants my lifestyle. (laughs) But I still wanted to write and I kept putting out these, these posts about faith, kind of working out my own messy faith with God as I was going through the biblical counseling and just uh, looking at Scripture is changing the way I, I viewed God and viewed myself. And I kept taking these steps of faith, like, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving forward. I started a podcast, which was crazy for me because I, I just, I was like, I'm not techie. I don't know how to put that together. How on earth am I going to put together a podcast? And I just kept moving forward in obedience. I started putting it out there. Um, people said, oh, I would listen to that podcast. So I was like, all right, let's take the next step. And I just would take these small faithful risks with God uh, towards this, this nudge he put on my heart. Wasn't anything huge. It just was, you know, can you do this? Can you just take this one step forward and see what I do with it? And it's led to this place that I never thought I would be with a community of women that I speak to that I just love dearly and interact with and connect with and am able to share these things so that they don't have to be stuck in their insecurities like I was for so long. Mm. And it's such an incredible thing how God really builds on the little that we offer, the nothing that we provide. He he makes something huge out of it. Mm, absolutely. He totally does. And I love that about him. But I also love that you're practicing what you preach. You're literally saying, hey, I've struggled with insecurity. 
and comparison issues. And I'm going to go to God and ask for healing and to find my worth in Him. And then I'm going to invite other people along with me. It's so beautiful. And I know there's people listening who will want to get a copy of your book, listen to your podcast, all the things. How can they connect with you, Jen? I uh, just recently, my blog used to be called What You Make It. And it is now, uh, it's a new website. I just changed my domain. It's jenschultzauthor.com. And you can find me at Jen Schultz author on uh, Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, it's a little bit different on Twitter. It's just at Jen Schultz underscore. But uh, you can also find the book. It's not out yet. It comes out in September. I'm not sure when this, this podcast is going live. So as I'm saying, I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But it comes out in September. If um, Yeah, if it, you can look it up on, on Amazon. It's already out there. So you can pre-order it. If you are interested in that, and there are going to be some pre-orders that are going to be great and available soon. So um, if you connect with me online, I will be able to get those to you. But there's a lot of good things coming. This book is going to be, it's it's unlike um, a lot of books in that it has, you know, the passages that I wrote, but it's got space for journaling. It's got guided questions. There are also 10 videos, one to go with every chapter. Uh, so it's, it's, really, truly an interactive book. And my hope is that women are going to get it and not just, you know, use it the one time and put it on their shelves, mm-hmm. but be able to use it to go back to when they're going back through a period of insecurity or really, really rough period of comparison. So that's my hope for you. And uh, hopefully, um, if you want to connect more, I love chatting online and, and talking with other women who are going through the same things. So. Well, that's awesome. Jen, thank you so much for hanging out today. Yeah, thank you. Hey friend, I hope that in some way you were blessed by that conversation with Jen Schultz. And I just want to pause for a minute and remind you that if you struggle with feeling insecure or feeling inadequate or feeling like you're not enough, or you struggle with comparison and envy and you look at other women and you feel like you're coming up short, I want you to know that that's normal. Not normal like stay there, but normal like we all struggle with that. We all have insecurities. It it doesn't make you somehow more inadequate than you already feel. It's actually part of being human. But my hope is that you heard some encouragement that you can draw from God's worth, God's love for you, God's words that he speaks over you. And you can remind yourself of those so that as you go about your day, you have different opportunities, whether it's a job interview or you're engaging with someone in your family and there's conflict or you're, you know, showing up to some sort of committee and you have to say something and you're feeling nervous about it, whatever it is, I hope that you remember that God loves you. I just want to speak some words of truth over you that you can remind yourself. You are a child of God. God loves you with an unconditional, sacrificial, never-ending love. You are his daughter. You are God's workmanship. You were created in God's image. God adores you. I hope that you can take some of those truths and remind yourself of them all throughout the week. I hope that you'll keep colliding. If you want more resources, 
to grow in your faith, make sure that you hop online at wecollide.net and check out all the classes, the blogs, the podcasts, events, online courses, all the things that we have to bless you. Have a good day and I'll catch you next week.